How are you doing tonight, Vicki Joy? I am doing great, and I just thank you so much for having me at it. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about they only come out at night, and uh, that's for sure. Uh, when it comes to monsters, Vicki Joy, they always have this propensity to only come out at night. Do, do we have a reason for that? Well, I think so, though I think as, as time marches forward, we're going to see more overt behavior. Uh, you know, America has kind of fallen under this veil of its own making in the last century where because of uh, the Victorian era, as well as the Greek Stoic influence on our culture, as well as the scientific method, we've sort of willfully blinded our eyes to, to supernatural. But in other countries, we're open-minded to that. They overtly see uh, and report a lot more than we do over here. Mm -hmm. As days grow short, I think that we will see things. Mm -hmm. uh I always uh, ask people this question here. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay. I always ask these people here about Mark or Matthew 24 that it says, in, in the days of Noah, so shall it be the Son of Man come. And I always ask them the question. It says that there was giants in the land in, uh, in the days of Noah. Uh, and there's a kind of a controversy. Some say there's going to be a giant reappearing. Some say that's just a euphemism. Some say it's not going to happen because uh, for whatever reason. What's your take on that? Yeah, so I, I've i heard people on both sides of the aisle that I, I very much respect on both sides of the aisle say they're going to be actual giants and well, they're not going to be giants. I, I'm not really concerned with how tall they're going to be. They're going to be powerful. They're going to be frightening. We need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what what I ascribe to what I ascribe to is the uh, idea that the sleep paralysis, these shadow people and these old hags and these these various uh, monsters on on the roster of the sleep paralysis and the UFO abduction phenomenon, that the, many of these creatures are are demonic. And uh, if you go with the Book of Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls and a litany of Jewish literature. Uh, the the definition in in those references you know, that the that the the de the disembodied of the Nephilim who died in the flood and those things never stopped being operative they just kind of changed their suits they're in in a different form and so regardless of what form they appear in I think it's the same cast of characters cast a cast of kooky creeps it sounds like you know interesting. Yeah. Interesting, you mentioned old hag. I once uh, uh, had an acquaintance who had um, lived in a house and said um, that she, uh, she and her husband got up one night and there was an old lady sitting on the couch. So this mm. phenomena of the old hag is is and obviously it got in the house. It wasn't a relative. It was it was obviously an apparition of some sort. But this this thing of old hag hag is real. Why, why is why do they manifest as an old hag? It is so strange that that they do. And uh, there's many reports too that people will wake up and they'll see this old hag in a rocking chair in the corner of their bedroom. And then of course there's the classic old hag syndrome where she's sitting on the chest. And we see a little bit of a hint of this in the movie The Show where the main character is in the, the bathroom and he is you know kissing this beautiful woman and then he catches a sight of her in the vanity mirror and she turns into an old and starts cackling and this actually goes all the way back and if you if you do the the, the re it goes back to um the the Lilith uh mythos it goes mm -hmm. back to the screech owl 
the, the night terror that's actually mentioned in scripture. It's just this obscure little verse. But if you research the extra and the parabiblical resources and texts that are available, there is vast amounts of evidence that this screech owl or this night demon is this what what in Hebraic history they they have dubbed Lilith, but she goes by many other names, the Lamia, the Lamashtu, and these are all these night hags, and there is a a sex and death and blood component, as a lot of those gods were. Even if you go into the Greek pantheon, they were the goddesses of sex and war. They always kind of went hand in hand. Uh, bloodshed, but there was also a bit of eroticism mixed into it as well. Mm. Uh, so you're you're saying that the old hag will try to get it on with a human? Absolutely. Also known as the succubus, with the incubus being the male energy version. Yeah, I thought about that. So in- in- incubus is for uh, is is a is, is a is a male uh, form male of- energy. Yeah. Male energy fornicating with a woman and then a succubus. I mean, that kind of got his own kind of sexual content in, in and of itself. But I was wondering why they kind of labeled that that way. And um, but um, uh, you say sometimes this old hag will sit on your on this person's chest. Yeah, a lot of people, and it doesn't have to be the old hag. A lot of people uh, who experience her on their chest, where they feel like breathe, they. They will say it's an old hag, but they'll also describe things that sound like a gargoyle or a demon, impish little creatures, things with red eyes. And sometimes, depending on how deep you go, people will say that there is um, little fairies that are kind of crawling all over. Little fairies? Fairy creatures. And yeah, yep. And if you actually go into to and study the Pictish people of, of the Celtic areas and the Scottish regions and the Highlands and things. Pictish creatures were actually very much like the hobbits that we read about in the Tolkien stories and where they lived in these little holes in the earth and they only came out at night. And it, it was very much like the uh, fairy tales where the trolls would come out at night and help the shoemaker make his things. They said that these creatures were helpful. Mm-hmm. not that but uh, a lot of actual history is is behind mm-hmm. and a lot of truth in plain sight and a lot of our quote-unquote fiction. By the way, I don't know if you've seen our website, but we actually have three polls. We always have a poll question on our website related to the, the guest. And the first one okay. is, have you had sleep paralysis? Yes, nope, not sure. Here's the results. 56% say they've had sleep paralysis. Uh, 37 said nope, and 6 said not sure. Uh, the second poll... Have you been attacked in sleep? And let's see what that says. All right. 58% said no. 35% of the respondents say they had been attacked. Um, so obviously that's a large percentage that had sleep paralysis and um, almost as large that have had an attack. Of course, the third one is a little bit tongue in cheek. And I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, it is a, a picture of a Greek god with a coiled snake on a staff and uh, their answers for that who is this basically if they know it's uh Asclepius, the greek god of medicine a crazed snake handler joe biden supporter or some ancient perv let's check the re- <laughs> check the results on there hey this is a smart audience we've got 75 percent says uh uh Asclepius is a greek god and then of course uh 18 says obviously a joe biden supporter anybody walking around with a snake 
And then, um, so, you know, I mean, you know, you never know about this. Anyway, so we'll see if those poll numbers change as we go by. And, and by the way, Vicki Joy, you're talking to a person who's very interested in this situation because I had a daytime awake paralysis happen to me when I was a kid. And I've told the story on the show, and I can tell you because you're obviously, you have this awesome book, They Only Come Out at Night, which is in our background right now. But... I came home from school, laid down on a couple of chairs with my eyes wide open, and all of a sudden I was frozen and talking about, and that's why I refer to sitting on my chest. Something sat on my chest. I, and you know, I wasn't. I mean, I'm a kid, so I'm not like a spiritual giant or anything. I, in fact, didn't go to church, didn't know anything about the Bible, so I didn't, you know, wouldn't have a reference point. Nor did I hear this, nor did I see things that would have caused that. But something nearly killed me. And if it wasn't for here, here's how I got out of it. This is interesting. I'm sorry to take your time, but I got to tell the story. Down the bad block for me was a no. little was a little uh, uh, coin coin laundromat, and you put a, a a nickel in this machine, and you get a clear bubble with a prize, right? Remember those clear bubbles? Okay. Yeah. Well, I got oh, yeah. that, I got that clear bubble, and inside was a little bitty little bitty 3D Bible that you look up in a little bitty hole, and it's like 3D, and I, and it was the Lord's Prayer, and so that's my only uh, huh. that's my only experience of the Bible or God or anything, because my parents were uh, nowhere they weren't spiritual they had nothing but nothing in that realm so that's but i memorized that because i i needed i wanted you know like that seemed to me something pretty safe something like larger than myself so i i remembered that so i said that and the apparition left when i started repeating that that scripture wow that is absolutely incredible you know in my research i came across this is interesting joe jordan back in the 90s now joe jordan he's a christian he's the i believe president and founder of ce4 research group which is a christian group that is attempting to expose the UFO abduction phenomenon as uh, misinformation. So in other words, they, they agree that this is happening all over the world to people, but that it's actually a demonic visitation, not actual little green men from another planet. And uh, that's, you know, really what I'm attempting to do in my book as well, is that, you know, these, these things are not as they seem. It's, it's, these things are definitely happening, but uh, it's, it's not really what we, what we think it is. But anyway, back in the 90s, when he was still a field researcher for MUFON, he took 350 UFO abductees and interviewed them and, and was putting together research and determined that a vast majority of these abductees realized that they could stop the experience in a split second if they called on the name of Jesus. And this information was suppressed, probably not by Jordan. He probably was excited to find those results. So I don't think that it came out into the public right away, but many, many people instinctively, and I don't care if you're a Christian, Practicing religion, I, I've I've talked to and done research with atheists and Muslims alike. That when this happens, they will instinctively call on the name of Jesus. It's just baked into their DNA to to cry out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, I even I often tell the story of there was a a Muslim on a message board one time, and I just I laughed at it because he said, "Hey guys, uh, I don't believe in this Jesus guy, but call on his name if you ever perhaps it works." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, there is a power in in the name, and so when you say that you had that prayer memorized, again, it's not a formula, it's not a talisman, it's the living, breathing Word of God, and Jesus is the Word become flesh. So whether or not you call on His name or you're quoting verbatim words that are a part of who He is, uh, that is going to turn that situation around. Uh, because there's only one thing more frightening in a sleep paralysis situation than your 
or fear. And that is the fear that those things are going to experience when you mm-hmm. call in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, that may have even led to my own spiritual journey there because I was, I was starkly then aware or had an epiphany of two, two things. One, demons are very real. And two, the word of God is very powerful. So that that was two things I learned at that time. So I, I really kind of look at it maybe as, as a good thing. But let me ask you a question, Vicki Joy Anderson. We have your book in our background, and I zoomed and zoomed and zoomed, and I couldn't read the warning. What is that warning on there? Oh, let me to it. It says, content may be disturbing or or to some readers, discretion advised. Okay. And um, I think I, I, I can only speculate on, on this because I did not design the cover, but, um, you know, everything in this book is backed up with research, mm-hmm. with scripture. Mm-hmm. Every single word that got written into this came from prayer and fasting. I didn't regurgitate anything. I didn't just copy and paste other people's research. But the fact is, and this kind of is uh, going back to what we were saying at the beginning of the interview, because of the lull that is is over our country, the church as well, we have um, cognitive dissonance when we talk about things that smack at mystical or supernatural experiences, which we as believers should be the most open-minded to the supernatural than anyone out there because we have this God Thing. And we, our whole, our whole scriptures, our whole handbook, uh, is what Ellie Marzulli calls the the guidebook to the supernatural. You yeah, could not that. possibly read a more supernatural book than the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. He's obviously a mutual but friend. Unfortunately, friend of ours. Because, because we don't. Yeah, yep. So I do think that unfortunately, people are uh, a little bit triggered when we start talking about demons and uh, maybe even things that have happened to them. And a lot of people don't really want to come to group. Mm-hmm. For those that's that's something more than a nightmare, okay. they're comforted. Okay, all right. Um, for those that said the audio is a little choppy, just do, just bear with us here. This this information is just too important. Just just kind of go re- read through it. We can hear it and understand what she's saying pretty good. Uh, we want to welcome Grumpy Old Vet Army Vet to the show, Australian Ben and Teflon Coat. Uh, Vicky Joy, we have a question from Rose. Says Vicky, I heard that the military and or DARPA has this technology where they can dream manipulate and cause sleep paralysis. Are you familiar with that? Absolutely true. I I love intelligent questions. That is great. I'm so glad you brought forth that information. I do talk about this a little bit probably earlier, but declassified information. We know that back in the 80s, Robert Monroe of the Monroe Institute, who is now passed, but the Monroe Institute is still active, he developed hemisync technology, which uh, in current our current culture, it's kind of the um, technology, and it's using tones and frequencies to synchronize the left and right hemisphere of your brain. And when those hemispheres are synced, which by God's design, they they operate at different frequencies for a reason. They're not supposed to be synced. When you sync them, you can go into altered states of consciousness. And altered states of consciousness, whether it's like sleep paralysis where you're drifting in and out of sleep, Mm -hmm. it can be uh, psychedelics, mushrooms, ayahuasca, drugs. You know, there's many different ways. If you're in an altered state of consciousness, well, another way to put someone into an altered state of consciousness is Mm-hmm. through the technology and through binaural beats and the synchronization of the hemispheres. So mm-hmm. 
the, he militarized that. He taught the military remote viewing back in the 80s. And uh, they do have technology now. They've discovered that if you take a probe and you poke at a certain part of the brain, it will mimic a sleep paralysis experience. People will see shadow people. And so there is technology out there that I believe is exacerbating that part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that they're mimicking it for any other reason other than to call the, the authentic experiences into question. Then when someone has sleep paralysis, they have this scientific explanation that they can give like, no, that's that's just in the military or that has to do with 5G or that has to do with fill in the blank. And then people can, again, write off that it has anything spiritual or demonic uh, attached to it. Mm. Okay. Um, Peter from Australia says, why does sleep paralysis seem to happen a lot when people are feeling sick or run down, say if they had the flu? Absolutely. Uh, I think that the enemy always takes advantage of opportune timing. And sometimes sleep paralysis happen when there's other things going on in your life. A lot of people who are going through trauma will have sleep paralysis as well. Uh, jet lag, Lots of stress in your life, like if you've just had a job relocation and you've moved, you're going through a divorce, they they capitalize on opportune timing. And if they can get you when you're already beat down, when you're already worn out, where you do not have the ability to fight back. Um, and this happened in my own life because I had sleep paralysis for many, many years and it went away then for a very long period of time and it came back in 20 12 when my mom was dying of cancer I had relocated to another city I had a a very high stress corporate job the planets were aligned if you will and I was so beat down with stress and grief and everything going on that when the sleep paralysis came back I did not have all my my armor on I was not as equipped to fight as strongly as I would have had everything been going good in my life and so we definitely have to do the hard work when we're going through tumultuous times in our life to be in the word, to have an accountability partner, to have people praying for us, to be. Mm-hmm. Weak, they will come after us. Okay, okay Vicky Joe, we're still getting a little bit of choppy audio. Maybe if you go ahead and turn your camera off and let's see if that straightens up okay. the audio. Sure, sure. Let's give that a shot. I'd rather hear you. I mean, uh, you know, we we don't want to miss anything you're saying. This is awesome stuff. I've been looking so forward to having you on the program. Um, Okay, so uh, we're talking about, uh, uh, and that that question there was about, are there things that we can do to cause that, say, are we most weak when we're sick? But are there other things that we do that we maybe, say, allow in our lives that perhaps opens a door for sleep paralysis or these old hag spirits or any other type of harassment absolutely there are things that we or uh family members can do so in other words if you live in a home and you have an authority figure in that home so if you're a child and you have a parent you know uh you know if the head of the household so to speak is opening doors under that person's authority is also subject for attack and a lot of times and i've seen this so many times a, a child or a, a person is having sleep paralysis because someone else in the home, specifically a head of the household, is 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 doing things. And so uh, I go into great detail in the book. In chapter four, I talk about ancient threshold covenants and how we are actually uh, covenanting with these things when we open the doors and we let them over the threshold. And it, it's more complex than that. But um, 
I think that the reason why a lot of people, especially in the church, are hesitant to talk openly about their paranormal experiences or their sleep paralysis experiences is because the church has so long associated these things with if you're getting attacked, uh, it must mean you've opened a door. So you've got some sort of secret sin. And then Mm -hmm. because there is the, the sleep paralysis episodes that get the most attention are the sexual ones. It's the rape ones. And so a lot of people don't want to go to their spouse or to their pastor or to their accountability partner and say that this is happening to them because the assumption then is always, well, what are you doing? And then there's mm-hmm. accusations of, are are you cheating in your marriage or are you viewing pornography and, and things like that? And the fact is all those things can open those doors. And we do obviously have to continue to kill our sin and make war with the flesh and keep those doors closed. But there's also things that can be done and ancestrally and uh, it, it can be done through the sins of the, the head of the household and uh, there are, are things that could have been done so far in your past that we wouldn't have even known to pray for it so for example Masonic or occult ties where rituals have been done where rituals have been done over the entire bloodline um, so if you've got a great-great-grandfather who you never met and he was in some sort of secret society where these rituals are done and the entire family is put under those those rituals so it really requires uh, a partnership with the holy spirit to figure out the source of why are these things targeting me and i i do talk about that in chapter six and i also have an appendix at the end that talks about how you can do some prayer mapping exercises mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of times we think I, I it's interesting to me of all the people that write to me usually people will self-diagnose so they'll tell me I know this is because I played with the Ouija board when I was a teenager I know this is because I smoke pot like they, they have these these self-diagnoses and it may be true but I think that the enemy is so covert in what he does that a lot of times he doesn't make that necessarily easy to figure out and so it really does require discernment testing of the spirits and really seeking the Holy Spirit's inter- intervention in, in revealing to you the exact source of that open door so that you can close the exact door that, that mm-hmm. is open. So if a person has a back has a door open, I, or if they've opened a door, how do they how would they know that? I mean, isn't it possible they, they would have done it? I mean, is there any way they could find out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of it by instinct, you know, will be easy because we all know those things that we shouldn't be doing and that we need to do to do better. And so, but what I think is, I think it's more like an onion. I don't think there's this one, you know, thing that we got to figure out. I think many times there's a lot of clutter and it, it's, it takes multiple adjustments before we kind of get it right. And, and so, like I said, that there, there, there are some, a lot of information in the book as to, the whole entire sixth chapter is is about various uh, things to look for and cleansing prayers and warfare points and uh, prayer mapping exercises. But you know, when I when I talk about the threshold covenants in chapter four, it really is kind of the linchpin of of my research. That when when we talk about inviting Jesus into our heart. This is kind of this is covenant language, and we see in Revelation 3:20, Jesus says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door and lets me in, I will come in and eat with him and he with me." This is actually the 
the example of spiritually what's going on and what these sleep paralysis entities are trying to mimic. A lot of people with sleep paralysis, not every case, but the majority of people that have a classic sleep paralysis experience, they will say that they wake up and they see a shadow or some sort of entity at their bedroom door. And it's not always the case, but what's so interesting about this is we have the opposite imagery in Revelation 3.20 where we have a a spiritual being from the spiritual realm who's who wants to covenant with us and and they're using this metaphor of knocking at the door and so mm -hmm. when Jesus crosses that threshold it's an actual blood covenant and it in the in the old days and it, this wasn't this didn't just happen one time at Passover when when they put the blood on the lintels and and the demonic entities of death passed over um that that wasn't a brand new or a one and done sort of a thing. This was a long, long practiced. And so these entities that come at night, they are seeking like a vampire. They're seeking an invitation. Uh, the same way a vampire mm -hmm. can't bother a victim mm -hmm. of invited into the home. Again, truth in plain sight. There's, they're giving away a lot of stuff in this vampire lore, these vampire movies out there. Mm -hmm. Once the vampire steps over the threshold, you are now in a covenant with that thing. It has the right to be given it access. And so there are two ways to get out of a covenant with a vampire. The first one, it's he kills you. You die. That You get out of it. He doesn't bug you anymore when you're dead. The second one is that if the deed of the home, if the owner of the home or the head of the household changes, the vampire no longer has a legal right into that home because the head of the household didn't invite him. And so this is also where we tread into the Revelation 3.20 waters because in the New Testament, we're now told that the temple is our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So when we invite Jesus into our home to dine with us, when he crosses that threshold in Revelation 3.20, he's entering our souls, our hearts. Mm -hmm. He's now the doorkeeper mm -hmm. of our flesh temple. So in essence, what we're doing when we pray to receive Christ is we are allowing the deed of our home to change hands and we might have wittingly or unwittingly with some vampiric demon entity but when we say I am no longer the master of my own home I, I relinquish that to you Jesus you are now the one ruling and reigning this temple then when they come to re to 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 reestablish those covenants that have been nullified by the blood of Jesus they can't do it because Jesus is going to say, go away, like get out of here. And so the the way to nullify these covenants that have wittingly or unwittingly been made in the astral, because sleep paralysis very much involves the astral plane. And a lot of people that have sleep paralysis are being pulled into the astral realm. Covenants are being made. And similar to the UFO abductions, uh, there there are there's missing time and there's there's repressed memories. And the thing that is about sleep paralysis is most people have a really strong recall of their sleep paralysis experience. So they come, they wake up and they say, this happened and I saw and this is what it looked like and it was sitting, they, they can explain all five of the senses, what they saw, what they heard, what they felt. 
And so there is an impression that we have full recall of that event. But entities have the ability to do things and then, mm -hmm. and we see this, it's so prevalent in UFO abductions, people have missing because of that, they know something happened, but they don't remember. Mm -hmm. And so what what needs to be done, if, if you're someone who's had sleep paralysis your whole entire life, this isn't a salvation issue where it means you're not saved or you're going to burn in hell or you made some sort of covenant and so now you're not really saved. What it is, it's it just, you know, because it's a covenant. And so mm -hmm. marriage where we're married to one person, if you're married to, you know, two people, there's there's conflict, there's there's a breach of that covenant. And so what we need to do is we need to nullify all those other covenants. And so when we make a covenant with Jesus Christ, it has to be more than a prayer. It has to be more than church attendance or teaching Sunday school. It's an actual betrothal covenant. And if, mm -hmm. if we invite Christ to be the master of our home and the head of our household, but we still want to be the head of that household too. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why there's so much in scripture about not being double-minded and, and fully dying to the old self and, and things like that. It is it is for our it um, is to nullify these other. But if 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 a person doesn't know, and, if, and like as you're suggesting, whatever head of household may have the preeminent authority in, in certain situations, if you don't know, is there can can a person say offer a a blanket sort of prayer or renunciation for like generically, like if I've opened any door in his house uh, to any entity to operate in any way, can you? You know, I I, re, I reject it and renounce it and forbid it in the name of Jesus. Do, do those type of prayers work, or do, or do you have to keep working until you find out what the actual door is? They they absolutely do work, Daniel. But we've all had this experience. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And he flees, but guess what? He comes back, and he comes back ad nauseum sometimes. Seven, seven times worse. We just yeah. Anytime we take territory that has long belonged to the enemy and we hand them over to Christ, there's going to be a little bit of a war to get that, that the legality is done in the spiritual realm. And so um, I try not to be formulaic. Like I do have some prayers written out in the book, but I try not to be formulaic. There's nothing ma magical in my mm -hmm. prayer. But what I've found is when, once you start praying those prayers if more prayers are needed, those types of prayers set you off on a journey. Mm -hmm. And so once you start praying those prayers, you become awake to the fact, okay, you know what? I am caught in a spiritual war. Ephesians, there really are rulers and authorities and powers that are are viably after my soul. And now that I've exposed them and I've figured it out, now I feel that tension. I feel that tug of war between the, the, the good and evil and Jesus and these enemy trying to keep me in bondage. And so there might be a little bit of a love about those initial prayers mm -hmm. where we pray and say, I do not consent to this and break all of these covenants is that it, if it doesn't work the first time, if it's not a one and done, you are now on a journey to discovery. You have set that alarm bell off. The Holy Spirit is now alerted to the fact that you're on to these things, and he is going to continue to reveal to you the path that you need to take to fully be uh, taken out from underneath the thumb of these things. And so for the people that have suffered from this kind of stuff that your, your whole life, mm -hmm. um, 
you absolutely do not have to put up with this. And it's not one of those things where, will they always come back? There are things that can be done. These bondages can be broken. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than any blood ritual an ancestor has done. I don't care if you were raised in generational Satanism. I don't care if you were prayed over to Satan or if you were given in a ceremony as a bride of the devil. The blood of Jesus just usurps all of that. Hmm. All right. L- let me ask you this question here, and, and I'm going to put myself under the authority of, of the men and women, the godly men and women watching the program as I ask it, because I'm asking a question to a woman. Uh, but obviously I'm, going to, I'm asking from a um, seeking knowledge type of question, not for titillization. So I'm, sure. going to, so I'm going to hold myself to account, and I'm going to try to very gently go down this, this question path uh, very succinctly, and I think you can read through. For for sometimes um, uh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't ask this. I don't know. Let me see if I can go down this question. At 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 night, uh, we're talking about incubus and succubus. Mm-hmm. If there is uh, something that happens, say in a dream, is is that Th- them or is it just simply organic human sure that's as far as I want to go with that so I think that a lot of times if you're in an actual dream state and there's something astral going on there's usually a lot of other things going on to tip you off that this isn't just a dream because is it possible be delving into something before they go to bed that they absolutely shouldn't be delving into and then that's going to be in their subconscious and they're going to dream about it like of course there is a physiological explanation for that but if if all the other bells are off you know and you're you're feeling the paralyzed feeling the oppression or this is a you have done nothing to provoke it and this is happening to you absolutely and um i've got a great quote from my that, that answers this question and it's it's a uh, it's by a man so uh, let me just read this one okay. who I interviewed who went through this he's uh, about these succubus experiences he says it's borderline adultery there's no doubt in my mind in state or whatever dimension you are in when it takes place you are participating in that act with an actual entity this mm-hmm. doesn't dawn on you when the actual encounter is taking place It's as you're coming out of it, waking up, that you realize this is wrong. What I dreamt about, what I was involved in, it is destroyed. If you don't put a stop to it and you go down that road and you give in to the dream state, it will transfer over into the real life and affect your reality. This could Mm -hmm. come in the form of disrespect for women, sexual perversions or appetites, further pursuit of demonic... Mm the occult or the paranormal this is the flesh taking over the flesh is overriding the spirit while in this dream state cry out to Jesus to be released from it pray before bed to keep this from happening or it will affect change at the core of your vision all right very 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 well said there on that and uh, I mean that is needed to be addressed I, I suppose in the context of this interview here all right so let's get to um uh, some questions for Mickey V uh, says my paralysis stopped when I started sleeping under EMF blocking materials at night. Does this make sense in the big picture? 
Yeah, you know, it does. And I have even even smaller adjustments, like um, going to bed in a room that's quiet, that's cool, it's like the right temperature, uh, not going to bed full of stress. But a couple of the things that I employed that, that helped tremendously is I don't have anything electronic in my room. I don't have any black screens. I don't have anything plugged in or charged. Listening to things as I'm falling asleep because uh, even if you're listening to something that's Christian or I'm I'm talking especially like music or scripture meditation mm-hmm. apps or Christian meditation apps, really that company could be absolutely born again and not understand that the tech out there if there are binaural beats in the background of those scripture memory applications that is going to hemisync you know your brains and so i i know years ago all excited about this christian app and i thought oh this is going to help me go to sleep because i was distressed over um my mom dying and things and every single time i used this christian meditation app i would have sleep paralysis and i wow thinking that it has anything to do with that company or the the hearts or the motives behind those people i mean they're beautiful apps it's scripture with music but if there are unbeknownst to the people who are outsourcing that you know that 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 technology if there's binaural beats in there so i just i i don't have any electronics in my my room when i go to bed at night anything that could be used as an instrument of of transportation for those things and so I, I do think there's a lot of credence in that because a lot of people who have sleep paralysis, they'll explain sound effects. They have auditory hallucinations. And sometimes it's footsteps or banging or, or voices, but more so now I'm hearing more and more and more reports of people who are having technological hallucinations, both visual and auditory. And so instead of shadow people or entities, they're seeing their room painted in fiber optics and they're seeing blinking lights and screensaver kind of things. I've heard a few people have explained to me that that what they're seeing is like a screensaver. And a lot of the auditory hallucinations are in the inner ear and they're vibrational and frequency and vibration has a lot to do with the astral realm and how they get you up there. And so I think that we need to take this stuff very, very seriously. We've all heard of the militarized technology like voice to skull. And we know that they can put voices in our head now through technology. And so I just try to eliminate uh, everything that is going to make their jobs easier. And I try to do everything that I can to not give them access to me at night. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all the electronics and the blue lights will go off, you know, two hours before I go to bed and... I make sure that I'm in, you know, a prayed up state before I go to bed and that I brought everything to the Lord and I've done warfare and I've prayed uh, certain prayers. And one prayer that I'm going to give to your female listeners in particular, there's an obscure little verse in the old that talks about making vows. And if, if, if you make a vow, they're, they're unbreakable. But there's this loophole that if a, a married woman or a single woman makes a vow and the father or the older brother or the husband hear this vow day they can they can break that vow on behalf of the wife or the daughter or the sister Mm -hmm. and they can say basically she didn't know what she was talking about Mm -hmm. no and so the authority 
uh, heads in our house can break those vows for us. And so one of the things that helped me tremendously, because when I started to realize, holy cow, maybe I made covenants with, with entities in the astral and I don't even know it. How in the world do you unwind all that? And that verse is what was brought to me. A friend brought that verse to me. And so now every morning when I wake up, I pray a very specific prayer and I say, Father, you are my father. You're my authority figure. If you overheard me make any vows last night that I have no recollection of, will you, according to the Torah, go on my behalf and as my father and as my authority figure, and will you, will you nullify any vow I made in my sleep? And I tell you, a lot of uh, that I had just feeling like, how, how will I even know or remember if I'm pulled into the astral at night and, and are, are making vows with entities? And that, that verse was a great comfort to me. So it, just a little bit of due diligence mm-hmm. to go to bed and when we wake up in the morning to just close out those sleeping sessions and just make sure that the blood of Christ is all over them. That's so interesting. You you mentioned that because I just recently read that account of of that vow, oh. and that that certainly did clear that up for me. That man, that's a real world use, uh, an understanding of that. And uh, I'm very uh, very humbled that you came on the show and, and talked about. It. In fact, wh- why we were talking and and the, your your knowledge is is right in the in the realm of Russ Dizdar, and I um, we've had on the show several times. And, and I know well, you're, you're you're going to be at at a conference there in, mem, in memorandum to Rust is Dar is that right? Correct. And it's yeah, going to be right yep, here in Indiana. In, yep, it's going to be in October. It's a Hear the Watchman, mm-hmm. and it is a great lineup. My my co-host and friend uh, Tom Dunn will be one of the speakers. You can catch me and Tom five nights a week on the Through the Black channel on YouTube. Tom Dunn, Russ Dizdar's uh, mentee. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom trained under Russ, and Russ was a dear friend. We miss him dearly. Uh, Derek Gilbert will be speaking. Ellie Marzul. Uh, and there, there's other people in the lineup as well, and for not recalling them offhand, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a powerhouse weekend. It's in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Go to the Hear the Watchmen website and i think they might have an early bird registration as well hey let, let, let me give you a story about la marzulli you can you can use okay. use use at will <laughs> uh all right so listen to this so we were at uh, the gen 6 conference series by uh, uh steve quell yeah. out in branson yeah and of course la marzulli was there and he was speaking Three thousand people out there those those seminars just top-notch and somebody up in the Raptors, when he was talking, just starts screaming out, and apparently they were speaking in tongues. And, and L.A. LA Marzulli, he looks up there and says, "You be quiet. You are out of order." It, it, it was it was it was such an event. It's like, wow, man, you talk about taking authority. He took authority in front of three thousand people over that thing, and uh, that that was something. But I'll I'll never forget that. And that's, and that's, that's you talk about spiritual guidebook. He's he is such a great guy, and so you can re- reply that I'll never forget that. Love that guy. Yep, L.A. Russ, Tom, Derek. Oh man, we we in this community. I was just telling my dad the other. Day, I just have the coolest friends. I have waited my whole life to find Christians like this, where you can talk about anything and you can be open-minded, and we can mm-hmm. explore and we can plunge the depths and 
have meaningful, deep conversations in a world that's getting ever more shallow and silly and trite. And mm -hmm. oh, I just appreciate all of you so much. And even just the caliber of the questions of your listeners tonight, I'm just so happy to be living in a time where the church can enter into these conversations and ponder these things. Yeah, I mean, Rush Dizdar was always talking about the black awakening, and it sure seems like we're in that right now. All right, let's, sure does. Let's, let's get some more questions coming in. Speaking of questions, to bring our audience back into it. Um, Peter from Australia says, are, are the entities involved in sleep paralysis, i.e. hags, imp-like creatures, one and the same, or are they just in, and they appearing in different forms? That is a great question, and I I definitely think that it is possible. And my research has actually been taking me in that direction because, you know, this or the classical interpretation of the incubus and the succubus was that one's a man and one's a female. But mm -hmm. really, what it is is it's the energy that they're emanating. Uh, and now that we're living in an, in an era where sexuality is very confused, we're getting females who are, who are getting visited by succubuses and, and males who are getting visited by incubus. And th that might not even be their preference during the waking hours. But there's very much a grooming process going on with a lot of these entities. Uh, and and I've, I've, I've talked now to several people who have talked about who... Since they were three, four, five years old, and they talked about how it was a grooming situation, much like what we're seeing out mm -hmm. now. You know, 40 years ago, they were doing this behind the scenes. And so I very much think that it is possible that they have the ability to appear in many different forms. And one thing that I've always been curious about is I, I've always thought, because the enemy has so many smoke and mirrors. I often wonder if the armies of Satan are actually exponentially smaller than we think that they are, but they have a way of appearing so that we think that there's millions of them and that we're outpowered and that we just need all this manpower in order to fight back. But it wouldn't surprise me if if there is a very small number of these entities that are actually doing all of this work, but they're very clever in the way that they present themselves so that we think that there's this entire roster and we there every creature has to be addressed or thought of in a different way and there's a different way to you know like we see it even in in the the monster movies this is how you you need a silver bullet for a werewolf and you need a crucifix for a vampire and you need like you need the name of Jesus for all of them like you don't need all these different tools in your toolbox and so mm -hmm. i i very much think that uh your listeners onto something there and it's not that there can't be more more than one but even like in my research, the shadow man here in America, that we have something called the hat man. And yeah. I don't know if that's everywhere because I was actually talking to a guy from South Africa who says we don't hear a lot about the hat man. But if you if you research that, a lot of people think that the shadow man is just the shadow of the hat man. Wow. And so here we think it's two different guys and maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. All right. Uh, Seven Mile Bridge says, uh, Vicki Joy, I've heard that playing harp music keeps evil spirits away. What do you think? I cannot believe you just said that. That is amazing. I actually, one month ago, went and bought a harp. I've played guitar my whole no life. Way. I'm not great at it, but I actually bought a harp. What? Because I wanted it for my prayer closet. I wanted it not even for musical purposes. I wanted it in my prayer closet to accompany me with my spiritual warfare prayers, mm -hmm. anticipating 
or might increase for me with this book and the things that I'm I came wow. across this in 2013. My mother had passed away and there the sleep paralysis attacks were coming back and the enemy was sifting me like wheat. I had pretty much almost a nervous breakdown type of experience because not just because my mom died, but because these entities came back and there was a lot of things going on in my life back then that made no sense to me. But since everything that Russ Dizdar talked I now understand I was under a lot of that. There were people in my life that were were not who they portended to be. And so wow. I I was very close to losing my mind. And one night, I uh, uh, the, the Bible verse popped into my head. The, the story popped into my head where David played the harp for Saul, who, mm-hmm. who was being tormented in the spirit. And I, I found a CD on iTunes of just a single acoustic harp so there was no other instrumentation there was no lyrics it was just one woman playing a solo harp just kind of like a one string harp and it was like maybe 10 or 12 of the classic and I would put the CD on any time I was under fierce attack and I would have reprieves I would have my my sanity back my mind would come back and I've since done a lot of research on harp music because I really do feel something's very specific that. And they have actually determined there are skilled harp players out there who have figured out that if you assign a musical note to all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, mm-hmm. if you play the Psalms using the book of Psalms like a songbook, but instead of notes, you you play every letter according to the musical note that you've assigned to that Hebrew letter. It is perfectly harmonious, melodic, beautiful tunes, which statistically that shouldn't happen. If you ran just assigned music notes to a letter and then like decided to like as a a music book, it would probably be very dissonant. And so I, I a little bit tonight about frequencies and, I absolutely believe that uh, there is well the harp and spiritual warfare. Well, that great question. question. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, I mean that's synchronicity right there. That that's showing there's a light on the path right here. This interview, um, uh, I just got this in here. It says uh, it's a comment, I guess. I once lived in an old house that had lots of shadow people hanging about. I was able to get rid of them by putting in remote controlled lights and when they appeared over my shoulders I clicked the lights on and vanished them uh, was this a good technique to implement and uh, I am gonna have to, to put some more thought into that thought popped into my head is just obviously light dispels darkness and it- it looks like in your case that was a very literal interpretation mm-hmm. and that, that's one of the things I love the layers of scripture is that there's a spiritual sort of reality to it but there's also an extremely literal biblical literist and the more I study and the more I do research the more I realize I haven't even begun to be taking this the scriptures as literally as as could it you, really could, is could you repeat that um, you, it cut out just as you get in, you you said it's spiritual but and then it cut out could you repeat that it, it's spiritual but there's also a very literal uh 
interpretation as well. And the the more I study scripture, I was saying that I, you know, I always considered myself to be a biblical literalist. But the more I research and the more that's disclosed, the more that is being revealed to us, the more I'm realizing that scripture is way more literal than we ever even thought. There's mm-hmm. so many layers to it. Well, I talk about literal. I, I did uh, this. This show has several parts to it, sort of like an intro in the beginning. Uh, we have something called the Bear Report, where I, I call Bear and he gives us good news of the week, and it's nothing but good good stories of good people doing good things. And I, I, I tell people it's their good news booster shot. And then I do something called ranting points, and <laughs> and, and and I tell a lot of people need a good news boost. They need to be triple vaxxed in, in the in the good news, really, and boosted in, in the good news. <laughs> Amen. And so, um, so as but I I also do these ranting points, and um, I was talking about the literal that I was reading in Ecclesiastes and it just happened to be right after the major speech that uh, this president here gave with the red background looked like it from the bowels of hell. And, but the scriptures were, were just, it was describing him. And I thought, man, how relevant, because you talk about literal, I mean, it's absolutely describing him to a T as, as a, as a leader, you know, you said the word King, but you could just simply put president in there. But let me ask him now, do you have, a, you don't have to, explain anything but do you have a specific preference on the bible version you read not really um i i took two and a half years of koine greek and so i i always like with the new testament i do always have the greek there with me okay and um i i i for a while years ago i was kind of an esv gal and then i kind of migrated to nasb i obviously always have the king james version so i I think I sort of always have the NASB, the King James version, and the Greek out. Okay. And yeah, and, and that really that, that, that use question, all three of them together. Yeah, that, that question, and and I, I didn't want to ask it per se because it, it can be divisive, you know, and uh, you know, it can, but, yeah. but the, the reason I ask is because earlier you you kind of shocked me talking about the possibility that beautiful Christian apps in our heads at night going in and what could be happening, and it, and it just Wait, when you were saying that, I, I, I jotted down Zondervan because it seems like I remember somebody saying mm. that Zondervan, who owns the rights to NIV, also owns the rights to the Satanic Bible. Uh, so somebody in the live chat, oh. you, could you follow that through? Somebody look that up real quick and let me know if that's true. That's, and uh, so yeah. that always kind of spooked me there. All right, let's get some more questions here. Vicki Joy Anderson, uh, can you expound a little bit? on the link between lucid dreaming and sleep paralysis. Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, and this isn't the case for everyone, but a lot of the people that have had sleep paralysis kind of habitually over the course of their whole life, there's, you know, we did a survey after, uh, during the pre We had uh, over 200 people respond. And so in the 200 people that respond to our survey, just under 20% of them said that they've had it their whole life, which surprised me that the number was that high. But I've noticed for myself, even this is the the category I fall into as well. People that have had it their whole life, typically, uh, they also have had a lot of trauma, especially childhood trauma and they also tend to be empaths like deeply emotional they connect with other people's emotions and and can feel it and like whether or not or not you know I thought my whole life that I wasn't a people person and that maybe I was a little bit antisocial because I would come home from being out in public and I 
completely drained. And so I always, you know, had a lot of self-condemnation. Like I must not be a nice person or I must this or I must that. And someone explained to me recently that when people, empaths, whether they realize it or not, they can feel the pain of everyone around them. And when they're out in big groups, they kind of take that at them. And that made a lot of sense to me. And so a lot of people who are deeply empathetic and who have gone through a lot of trauma in their life, they are usually, a lot of times, they're all lucid dreamers. They're the types that have the ability to remember their dreams when they wake up and learn from their dreams and look for meaning in their dreams. But they also have the ability, whether it's sleep paralysis or not, to interact. Now, where lucid dreaming gets when you're in the astral realm and you're kind of creating your own destiny, you know, the, the whole idea of manifesting your own destiny in the occult, it, it's chaos magic. They, they, uh, uh, they make sigils for themselves and they, they kind of put all their energy into these sigils. And the, the purpose of these chaos magic rituals is to manifest their own destiny. They're trying to uh, obtain something. And so in in the astral plane, it's very much the same thing. People are using that awakeness to acquire things for themselves, whether it's knowledge or relationships or powers of some kind or what, whatever it is that draws people there. But for those of us that are inducted into the astral realm via sleep paralysis and we don't want to be there, lucid dreaming actually becomes a, a weapon in our arsenal because when you realize this is a dream, I'm, sleep, I'm in sleep paralysis, this is probably the astral realm, you... you ability then lucidly to call on Jesus. You have a full recall of any scriptures you have memorized because mm -hmm. you're now kind of in an awake alert state in that dream. And so now you're safe. Now you, now you, you can create uh, a way of escape. And even when I'm not having sleep paralysis, I often am aware of the fact that I'm dreaming. And so when my, my dreams turn ugly, you know, if I'm getting chased, I can say, I need a car right now. And there's mm. a car and okay, no. I need the keys. And, you know, and so it, it can be used as a tool, but the, the link between the two is uh, it, it's, it's an intermediary phase uh, kind of between sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is kind of that point where you realize I'm having sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. I'm in this in-between phase. So at that point you are lucid, whether you realize it or not, because you're in in a regular dream, you wake up and in, in in a in a lucid state, you are you're able to express logically to yourself, mm -hmm. I am having sleep paralysis. I need to cry out on the name of Jesus. That that's that you're lucid at that point. You mm -hmm. understand I'm not fully asleep. I'm not fully awake. You you, you had uh... well, very very often. You, you mentioned sort of like in the matrix sort of way where Neo is in the matrix and, 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 uh, uh, Morpheus, you know, he said, what do you need? Guns, lots of guns. And they just appear. So you, you kind of triggered me yes. on, on that. Like you're in your lucid dream. What, what do you need? There's a demon falling. You I need a car. Boom. Car manifest. I need a fast car. Boom. It's a race car, you know? Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, by the yes. way, Jade, Jade, our moderator of our chat on our website says that, 
she researched that real quick. The largest Christian publisher is Zondervan, a division of HarperCollins, which publishes the Satanic Bible. And I don't know how somebody yeah. gets away with doing both of those. It seems disingenuous at best, evil at at at, at, at is worse, I suppose. But so those things have to be taken into account. And, and you know, and, and we're talking about your book. They they only come out at night. And why is that? Why don't they show themselves in the daytime? Where are they hiding from? Yeah, well, I I do believe that as the days grow short, they will become more overt, and we will be seeing more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but up to this point, they've wanted to be covert. Disclosure was not not on the table. Mm-hmm. Now we're living in a very unique unique era. You know, in the past, if a secret society or a mason gave away a secret, they were killed. They you know they were done away with, and you see all of these people at the whistleblowers for Roswell and, and, and various like, you know, people that were uh, in Dulce or saw the, the deep underground military bases. Mm-hmm. When they started to squawk, they suicided themselves, right? Like they yeah. were gone. And now all of a sudden we're living in an era where we can talk about these things. And, you know, we've got Gaia.com, which is this entire massive channel where everything is new age. And you can learn about Ascension and Akashic Records and Atlantean societies and uh, astral projection and all this stuff. And Tucker Carlson's out there blatantly talking about UFO disclosure. And so... And mutilation. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think that the title of my book will probably soon be irrelevant because... Uh, I, I think that the time is coming when they will they will come out at any at any point. But up to this point, out at night because mm-hmm. it gives them the advantage. Yeah, I, powerless. I, I, we are in a state of yeah, we're we're disoriented and we're kind of at their mercy and we're confused. So we wake up and just think it's a dream. I sort of uh, announced this show uh, as a as a monster show. They only come out at night. But what's happened is, Vicky Joe, this is actually turning out to be one of the most important shows we've ever done because this information uh, really is tying all the things that happen to people and explaining things, but it's also shedding light on things that are about to happen and are occurring right now. You talk about, I mean, when when verses are talking about a, a dark awakening there 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 was some sort of change i mean a total complete sea change of things that were being done in secret and hid say like uh, uh the, the, what's going on in schools with little kids what they've been doing to those kids and, and and teaching those kids there's been so many things that used to be sort of hid that now are, you know, the Bible says that which is done in secret shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And we, the normal people couldn't think on the level of the level that's being revealed. We would never think that this kind of evil was going on. And now it's like carte blanche. It's like every day there's like, it's it's way more evil than yesterday. And, and the level and depth of depravity that's encouraged and legislated uh, under under force of law and all other sort of, ways uh, is just out there and our society is changing at a rapid rapid pace all right let's get some more questions here um australian ben says can you speak about my lab abductions and why the government is involved in their facilitation mm. well so actually and i had mentioned earlier uh, joe jordan who's now the president and co-founder of ce4 research group so you might want to check him out too because he is very 
basically trying to expose that the UFO abductions, though they do happen, are not what we think they are. They are demonic visitations and they are militarized uh, events now as well. And so I tons and tons of research on the UFO abduction stuff because there's so many people out there like L.A. Marzulli who have been doing this for years and I don't want to build on someone else's foundation, but um, there are so many similarities between sleep paralysis abduction that it's hard to study one without studying the other. Okay. I think that they both are abductions mm -hmm. and I think that they're both demonic, but I think they're all, they've also both been militarized. And my really simplistic off the cuff answer is anything that they can mimic through technology, you can then write off the aspects of it. And they, they have been gaslighting UFO and sleep paralysis experiencers for decades. Mm -hmm. it, you know, mm -hmm. w it seems like we can talk about crazy thing we want nowadays. But if you say that you've been abducted or you had sleep paralysis, then you're in, you're still a nutcase. You're still schizophrenic. You still are mentally ill. You still need psychotropic. Mm -hmm. So for some reason, they still do not want this particular cat out of the bag. And I think that it's because it plays into the end times, great deception with mm -hmm. the Anunnaki and the ancient alien stuff where we're your progenitors, not, not God, not Jesus. And, mm -hmm. and so they not quite ready to let this cat out of the bag because it will destroy the, their strategy. So I think that if science and medicine and the military can easily explain magicians who, who give away their tricks all of a sudden like you're like oh he's not sawing the woman in half look there's two of them in the boxes look you know there's two boxes and it demystifies the whole trick and then everybody's like well she's not getting sawed in half it's just two boxes mm -hmm. and I think that that's what they're trying to do they're mm -hmm. trying to make sure that they they give away the the magician's trick to make it look like oh that's silly that's oh it's just narcolepsy mm -hmm. oh it's just a deep sleep glitch because then we will write it off and we will never associate it as something demonic or spiritual. We will lose sight of the fact that there's a cosmic war. Ephesians 6.12 just doesn't come into the picture. Ephesians 6.12 is what's going on. We're, at in, we're, we're cannon fodder in the middle of this cosmic war. And so I think that anything that they can reproduce uh, militaristically or technologically then demystifies the experience and people move forward in ignorance continuing to believe that the people that think that this is demonic are crazy okay um, is sleep paralysis more prevalent in people with RH negative blood I, I can't honestly say that I've done the research enough to say yes or okay. no but one one thing that I have, and, and I, I don't have a lot of this in the book, but I did talk about this a little bit on an interview I did on the typical skeptic podcast. I have I have started researching whether or not sleep paralysis is specific to bloodlines, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily just the seed of Cain, but also specifically, you know, the seed of Seth or the seed of people from the tribe of Judah, because it, it can be twofold. It can be, let's find and educate our bloodline, you know, for the black awakening, but then let's get, let's try to get the other bloodline on board. Let's try to lull them into this. Let's, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Let's get those people to defect from their side and get onto our side. Mm -hmm. 
because um, unbeknownst to me, I never meant to connect this, but back in 2010, I started doing research mother's uh, ancestry dying and mm-hmm. she had always had a couple questions about her ancestry and I thought well as a gift I'm going to do all this research for her and figure this stuff out because mm-hmm. back in the day you know you had to travel to the National Archives and it, it was very difficult to, to do this and so I was doing ancestry for her and I was not awake in 2010 I had never heard of Russ Dizdar I had never heard of any of this stuff and so research of my paternal grandfather I found that my my mother and my brother and I are all direct descendants through my paternal grandfather of uh, King David, not through Solomon, but through another one of his more obscure sons. And at the time, I was just kind of like, oh, cool, you know, but I, I didn't think it meant nothing to me. Like, I, I just didn't have enough knowledge to care. But as I started writing this book and doing this research, I did have a thought that I wonder if they are specifically targeting descendants of David because it it is so specific in scripture in the Davidic covenant where God says, I will bless your generations Mm -hmm. um, from now through forevermore. And so there is a special blessing and seal upon David's descendants in particular. So it would make sense to me that the enemy would want to specifically Mm -hmm. target that family line. Mm -hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, several years ago, uh, I told people that I, I strongly recommend that you don't do the 23andMe DNA test because I felt like yes. they're, some, they're looking for something. They're looking for a bloodline and yes. uh, for whatever nefarious reason. And just recently, I couldn't believe it when I heard, I know, maybe in the Fox News, somebody on there talking head somewhere said that it is possible and they suspect that China has been pilfering those DNA signatures and creating things in the lab specifically targeted to those DNA sequences. And so that that give you a clue right there. If you, don't do it. Don't send your blood in because, I mean, no. and, and like you say, you just added on to that. Suggest another angle of that, of course, is looking for the King uh, David bloodline as well. You don't want the enemy to know your bloodline. All right, another question. Uh, how this is from Grumpy Old Army Vet. Does the CERN, <laughs> does the CERN Collider fit into this? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I I don't know if it specifically fits into sleep paralysis. I I'm going to do that. I have researched CERN a lot. I'm very intrigued by it, and I absolutely do believe that this is the modern day tower of this is uh the hubris of man to reach into the heavens and overthrow god like they're trying to find the god particle mm-hmm. but also i i believe when you do research into um shiva the mm-hmm. destroyer right uh and you know there's a mention of the destroyer in revelation uh right, we, you've got apollyon or abaddon the destroyer the guy in the abyss locked up waiting to get out and wreak havoc. And there is a lot of similarities between this destroyer and Azazel, who is the guy in the book of Enoch, who was part of the whole teaching men the worthless secrets of heaven. And he was punished for that. And he was the one 
put into this abyss with the stones that that were piled up over it. And Azazel was a was a being of war. He taught man war. He taught them how to forge weapons. And what does Apollyon do when he's left out of the abyss in the end times? He makes war. The first thing he does is he goes back to what he does best. And so there seems to be a lot of hints that Azazel, Abaddon, Apollyon, and Shiva might be one and the same. Now, Shiva, mm-hmm. the destroyer, whose image is outside of the CERN facilities, uh, if you do research on the dance of Shiva, she basically... If you do the dance of destruction, every single thing in the universe falls apart at a cellular level and at an atomic level. The dance of Shiva is the dance of destruction. It's the it's not the let's find the God particle to, that holds everything together. It's let's find that God particle that holds mm-hmm. everything together so we can pull the pin out of it and and make it all come apart. I I I suspect there's many different things going on with that with that hadron collider and there's more than one of them. But yeah. I think that they're trying to pull Apollyon out of the clink. I think wow. they're trying to open up that abyss. Amazing. All right, Mickey V says, uh, Vicky Joy, is sleepwalking and talking also a form of sleep paralysis? It's it's tied to it in, in this way. Uh, so there is a physiological paralyzation that occurs every single night for all of us. It's natural, it's normal, it's physiological. Describe that I, I go through these distinctions in the book as well. We go in and out of various levels of sleep every every night as we fade in and out of sleep. And mm-hmm. we wake up a lot more than we think we for a, for a while there I was sleeping with one of these Fitbits on at night and I was shocked that every night I woke up about 15 to 20 times because I, I didn't have a memory of that, but there are these brief awakenings. And so uh, what happens is when we're in deep levels of sleep, when like REM levels and where we're sleeping, or, or, or sorry, uh, there there are aspects of our physiology down and it's normal and it's for our protection. And so if, if we didn't have moments of paralyzation in the dream state, we would, for example, kick people who were in the bed with us, or we could fall out of bed, or we could wet the bed, or we could sleepwalk, because we would act out those those dreams. We would get up and we would, you know, be doing those things. And so uh, when when we talk about sleep paralysis, it's important to realize that tech everyone experiences sleep paralysis every time they they dream. So the sleep paralysis that we're talking about is actual hallucinations and things that occur during sleep paralysis. Mm. There are sleep paralysis episodes, more technically. So when this paralytic part of our physiology malfunctions, we we will act out our dreams. And so sleepwalking and bedwetting are the two biggest examples. These are the kind of things that can happen if that physiological function in our body isn't as strong as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And And... But also, uh, they, the, these entities capitalize on aspects of our physiology that we're, we're ignorant of because the sleep paralysis experience becomes far more terrifying if you think that thing sitting on you is holding you down. Mm-hmm. It, it really isn't. It's just capitalizing on an opportune time of the night when you already can't move. Mm-hmm. And this plays into what we were talking about earlier. Like, is this one entity that just 
you know, morphs into other entities or are there all these different kinds? And so I think another trick that they that they use to appear more powerful really are mm -hmm. is they come at us at a time in the night where we're not going to be able to move mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of times people with night terrors do talk about an accompaniment of of, of sleepwalking. Mm. A lot of people with night terrors will say they wake up in, in, in their front yard or in a neighbor's yard or in the middle mm -hmm. of the street. And, um, and so I think sometimes that that sleep paralysis are a state and the night terrors can activate a, a shutting down like the same way mm -hmm. we can probe the brain and mimic auto people. They clearly have parts of our brain because the pineal gland does play a huge part in this. And I've had sleep paralysis experiences where I've slept on and things because I didn't want to see the things that I thought, well, they're scary. So at least if it's going to happen, I'll... Mm -hmm. so I won't be able to see what's going on in my room. Mm -hmm. And I, the sleep paralysis episodes that I had with sleep masks on were actually yeah. my eyes completely shut off to me. Mm -hmm. They would, they had, um, it was almost like something would overlay over my mind's eye and they would show me things even more terrifying. So I do think that they can access at parts of the brain and trigger, uh, trigger uh, sleepwalking and things like they can shut, they can like switches mm -hmm. and shut things off and on. And I'm, even drugs can do that. If you mm -hmm. take crystal meth, it, it, it burrows new neural pathways into your brain and it releases more dopamine than is supposed to come out. So obviously there are things that we can the brain and, and I think that they have access mm -hmm. to those things. Well, interesting. Uh, so, so of late I've had some trouble sleeping myself and now you opened up so many different avenues for me to think about, uh, <laughs> about this situation. And typically uh, I can't sleep. So I'll get up and watch TV till my eyes get so tired and I feel like I can fall back sleeping and, and I may go to sleep for a little bit and wake back up. But now, now this, so as I'm thinking about what's causing this, I, I don't, I don't have a, a lot of stress and I don't think there's not like certain things that are keeping me up, but there's just, it just seems a little impossible for me to sleep. And I'm thinking now after listening to you, is, is it possible that, that I am being woken up as more of a defensive method? Because if I'm asleep, somebody or something may have been targeting me for uh, a lucid dream attack of some sort entity coming out at night kind of thing because I'm if I'm if I'm not sleeping then I'm not I'm not I'm not bait for that I'm not I'm not available for that is is that a possibility Sure it's a possibility the opposite side of that coin too we do see in scripture that the grants sleep to his beloved like sleep is a gift and it's rest and it you know our brain defrags and we wake up you know and it, it's a healthy thing but um in song of solomon of all places song of solomon 5 2 the bride was asleep but her heart was awake wow okay and this is when the bridegroom wanted some intimacy well she was not fully uh, awake and so she was she just was feeling great and she didn't want to get up and she's like, you know, I've taken a bath and put on my pajamas and I don't want to get up. And so when she is out of that altered state of consciousness and she's fully awake and aware of what happened, she's like, I can't believe I turned him away. And she, she runs out into the night and, um, and tries to find him. And so right. I verse, uh, maybe sleep paralysis is the 
enemy trying to steal a time in the night that was originally designed for intimacy with our bridegroom. And maybe, you know, we talk a lot about the Antichrist, but what about my bridegroom? What if all these shadow people and old hags, what if these are anti-bridegrooms who are beating the the bridegroom to the door, so to speak? Mm. No, you're going to have fellowship with me tonight instead. And so I I think that wow. as believers, when when we have trouble sleeping and it's not related to stress or, or anything like that, mm. that, it could possibly be the bridegroom knocking on the door saying, I've come to walk in the cool of the night with you. I have things to share with you, things to teach you. I want to be with you. I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. And so when I get woke up in the middle of the night and it's frustrating, especially if you have to get up early and you, you want to, you just want to go to sleep. And the more you try to go to sleep, the more you can't. And so I always try to turn that around. Now, if your original hypothesis is what's happening, uh, it, it, it works on both levels because if you decide I'm going to use this time that I can't sleep to share intimacy with the bridegroom, not only will you benefit, from that because the bridegroom will show up but it'll the enemy will flee so if it is the enemy keeping you up um i know many times when i couldn't sleep um i what i would do is i would you know quote scripture that i had memorized or i had this little exercise i do Mm or i will go through the whole alphabet from a to z and i'll pick different things like i'll pick a bible verse that starts with every letter so a and then i'll have to i'll have to think of a bible verse that starts with a and then i move on to b and sometimes i'll do hymns and and so Mm -hmm. i'll like sing the first nice. line of a hymn or, or, you know, or I'll come with like the names of God. So, you know, Abba, beautiful in Christ. And, you know, and I will usually get through the alphabet once and then around J or K through the second pass, I'll mm-hmm. fall asleep. So you not only did you have that time with the Lord, but if it was the enemy wanting to harass you, mm-hmm. he's not going to stick around and listen to you quote scripture. Right. So he, he'll <laughs> right. be out of there. Wow. <laughs> Well, thank you, thank thank you, Doctor Vicky Joy, uh, for that. That is that is that is awesome stuff right there. Australian Ben says, "Is there somewhere that we could hear psalms played as musical notes?" Yes, um, there is one guy in particular. I would have to fumble on my my phone here, but there's one guy in particular who very skilled. I think he even builds harps, mm-hmm. and he plays. He's got some YouTube. Uh, or he's playing a couple of the psalms in particular. Mm-hmm. And I sit here and talk. I'm going to kind of multitask as I'm sure. looking through my 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 phone here. Um, but, of course, it's always got to be difficult when, when you need it. But um, I don't know if this is something that you can put in the liner notes after the show, mm-hmm. too. Sure, Because um, I can easily find it yeah. and then stick be- it in the in the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't don't waste your time now. Just, we'll, yeah, send it to me, and I'll put it I'll put it in the show notes. All right, sounds good. Okay, all right. Here, a couple more questions here before we end end the program. Here, let me get over here to the question center. Um, so the fun thing, sir, is how does a okay? It says uh, how how common is it actually seeing these enemies, these entities during sleep paralysis instead of just feeling the weight on one's back, not being able to move. Yeah, that that's a great question. I personally have never seen one of these things. Thank goodness, because it's so terrifying, even when you don't, even when you just sense the evil. Mm-hmm. I do not even know how the people who see these things 
get through it. But um, I, I think that it's pretty common to see or not see them. I don't really know what what really constitutes why people see them and why they don't. What's interesting is the things that I have seen have been outside of the sleep paralysis experience. They've been when I've been wide awake. So what's what's strange for me is I never um, fascinating to me that these things will show themselves to me, but not actually during the paralytic mm-hmm. uh, state. I'll I'll give you one little example when I was probably about four years old, living in Pennsylvania, and uh, I remember it explicitly as that house because it was the 70s, and I had that great olive green shag carpeting oh, that, that we all love. Oh, man. And a vel- did you have <laughs> so a velvet I, Elvis? Um... <laughs> I did not. Oh, and, and so um, this is another thing that just shows how spiritual this is. I would wake up from sleep paralysis in my bedroom, and my parents' bedroom was all the way at the end of the, of the hall, and I was always too scared to move open my eyes or just scream like I could never have gotten up out of bed and I I could not have I I would just lay there shaking until I fell back asleep Mm -hmm. and so many times I I would wake up from these things and I would pray you know as a little four-year-old and I would say Jesus please send send my mommy to my room please wake up my mommy please bring and my mom would just show up and she'd be like are you okay like it happened so many times so on one of these particular times I prayed like please let my mom show up and my mom came into my room and I, I said, can I sleep with you and dad? And that, that was just never anything that we did in our house. Me and my brother, we never slept with my parents. And so she said no, but then she said, do you want to sleep with your brother? And I had a brother who was two years older than me, so he was probably five or six at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, yes, yes. So we go into my brother's room, and we didn't have curtains or blinds or anything on the windows. you know. And um, it was a full moon, and the moon was window and so it was casting a large streak of light all the way across my brother's floor and we get in there and the hat man in a full brown pinstriped suit and, and patent leather shoes and a hat with a pocket watch it was so detailed no face and he was just laying like like a dead person in in the light wow. and I said mom who's that man on Jeff's floor and, and my mom said, oh, it's probably just your dad. And I was like, okay. So I forgot about it and slept with my brother. But um, I asked my mom about that experience many, many times throughout my life because I was trying to get to the bottom of whether or not she remembered it or if she saw that man too or like why. Because I remember once I asked her, why did you tell me it was dad? Because that didn't make any sense either. Why would dad be sleeping on the floor? And she said, well, I probably just said it to calm your fears and, and whatever. But what was weird about the instant too, Daniel, is I, I probably asked my mom about it half a dozen times and I never got the same answer from her twice. Sometimes she remembered it. Sometimes she didn't. Sometimes she remembered it and she said she didn't see it. Sometimes she remembered it and she saw it too. And the reason I kept asking her about it was because I could never get the same answer from, from her as to whether or not she saw it or not. Um, but I was awake at that point. That's the point in, in, in that whole story is that I was wide awake at that, that point, holding my mom's hand, walking down the hall into my brother's room. Now, have you had sleep paralysis recently? I haven't had it recently. Um, I probably haven't really had it 
since 2013. Okay, uh, but what's interesting, and we were talking about this earlier, about resist the devil and he will flee from mm -hmm. you, but he won't give up easily. I've so thoroughly closed the doors on sleep paralysis that they don't do that anymore, but he's, he attempts to do other things. And so sometimes I dream within a dream mm -hmm. sleep paralysis yep. where I'm dreaming that I'm asleep and have and what's nice about the dream within a dream version is it's nowhere near as scary at all. Uh, it, it's not as powerful of an experience. But I have had a couple things happen since then um, that, that well, I, I guess technically it would have been sleep paralysis. But um, so maybe only a couple times uh, since. But once you kind of figure out all the doors to close, this is the thing, they're such legalists, the, the, the ent these entities are such legalists that once you close the door, they can't come through it again, but then they wiggle their way in, you know, some other way, like, well, you didn't pray that this wouldn't happen. Like, they're very, mm -hmm. I liked how one of your listeners earlier who asked a question said these impish, and it's such a perfect word for it because some of them appear to be very scary, but they really are just little tricksters and little imps they they just mm -hmm. have their you know it's like the kid in in school where the mm -hmm. where the teacher says mm -hmm. like you know everybody stay in their seats and then there's the the one little smart aleck that has what if i have to go to the bathroom like there's always the little <laughs> right, smart right, aleck right, right, and that's right, what right. these that's what these things are <laughs> yeah uh the we, we have in our background and we've we, we got from a, a wikipedia uh an, an uh an incubus and it always seems the the, paint, the ancient or the medieval paintings usually where they're from is always showing some sort of imp little thing. So that person said, what do they look like? Yeah. Uh, you said you saw one in the daytime. Would you describe it as an imp? You know, I, I'm the gargoyle demon version. I've only seen the shadow men and the, the hat man. I saw the hat wow. man twice and I've seen the shadow wow. men Um so thankfully, I've never mm. seen this little guy because, you know, he okay. looks kind of silly there on the screen. But yeah. if he was on my chest at night, it'd probably take on a whole new dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how they, they they project them. And then in a succubus type of thing uh, we got from uh, Wikipedia, uh, it looks like it's some sort of woman with some sort of e eagle claw-like feet. Yes. But... Uh, I say the guys out there, guys better be careful. They think they're going to get some on the side there. That I don't think I don't think they want to mess with that right there. Absolutely, yeah. The wings, you know, um, I have a little bit in the book about that. The uh, um, uh, sometimes they call it the, the Hagarith or something like that. But mm -hmm. this, you know, uh, succubus type creature, and she's all in black, and she's got like bat wings, and mm -hmm. and it's very much like it's it's in our common but it, they're portraying it as sexy. You know, you got the Victoria's Secret fallen angels where they're mm. parading around on the catwalk in their black leather and the big mm -hmm. hue at the floor and, oh, they're, they're angels, but they, they really are portraying this Lilith, this Lamy, mm -hmm. this Hagarinth, and um, it is really just one of those sleep paralysis demons that they're portraying. All right. Well, Vicki Joy Anderson, we're right at the end, end of the broadcast. First of all, how can people get this book? It is available exclusively on lamarzuli.net. lamarzuli.net? Yes, correct. Okay.
Okay. All right. Uh, any final thoughts about the show, uh, about the book, about uh, you or anything? You just go right ahead. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show and listeners for hanging in and the great questions. And if anyone wants to get a hold of me, my website is vickijoyanderson.com. And I do have a comment um, page on that. And if you've experienced, you've never been able to talk about it or no one's ever believed you or you just have questions, you feel free to contact me. I do answer all my emails at this point. And uh, for the young folk out there, I'm on Instagram, Vicky Joy Author, and I'm on TikTok at VJA Author. Would love to see you there. All right. Very, very good. And, and of course, anybody can make it. I, there's a link, I think, to your, your upcoming seminar their spiritual warfare seminar down in southern indiana so they can they can check that out too if they're in an area wonderful yeah oh and uh daniel i did find the name of that harp player oh what's that um oh, the youtube channel is it's called peregrinati it's p as in paul e r e g as in grand r i n n a t as in tom t as in tom i Para Granati, and it's just absolutely beautiful harp music. Man, I tell you what, I'm going to go over there after this conversation. I'm going to go over there and listen to it. In fact, if I can't sleep one night, I'm going to just listen to harp music, man. That should really uh, 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 make them upset, any kind of entity upset. Uh, Vicki Joy Anderson, thanks for coming on the show, man. We need to have you back again sometime. Would love to. All right, thank you so much. Thank right. you. Right, bye-bye.